0: friends welcome back to the film alchemist podcast the show where we look at movies we love break them apart to find out what gives them their magic i'm your host josh griffey joined as always by my low class grifting and smells like boiled rags and (laughs) ghosts it's true
1: alex dandino i'm right here
0: Yes. Also, I need, I forgot to make a parasite joke, but here we go. <laughs> all right, guys, this is it. <laughs> all right, you fuck, settle down. Here we go. In our build up, uh to the Academy Awards 2020, everyone who listens to this show probably knows I, Joshua Griffey, am a huge lover of all things Oscars. I think it's fun, man. I don't get caught up in everyone else's bullshit about, oh, I fucking hate this movie didn't get nominated, blah, blah, blah. blah. I get it. Those are fun conversations. But at the end of the day, I'm there to see people win trophies, man. People who work hard on something their whole life get recognized. That is exciting to me. And it's, you know, sometimes the guys want it. Like Meryl Streep, enough. You're boycotted out forever. We don't need you anymore. Just kidding, Meryl. I love you. But you know what? I like seeing someone win a fucking trophy, man. I think that's great. So as part of that, to honor that, right? And don't get me wrong. I was also the guy who was like, burn it down. Tony Collette didn't get nominated for hereditary. But I also watch, so I can say that. That's our fight. That's our fight. (laughs) So as part of that, Alex and I decided uh, we were going to walk through some of the remaining Best Picture nominees uh, that we did not have a chance to cover on the show. If I'm not mistaken, Alex, we've only covered Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. Out of the Best Pictures. All right. So what are our nominees for Best Picture?
1: The nominees for Best Picture this year, the 92nd Academy Awards, are... uh Ford versus Ferrari, that juggernaut. Uh, the Irish. That
0: and Little Women are the ones I have not seen.
1: The uh, The Irishman,
0: gotcha. an epic
1: tome. Uh, Joker, of course. Jojo okay. Rabbit, of course. Uh, Little Women, Marriage Story, nineteen seventeen, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite.
0: There you go. All right, so. We will be rolling out Joker, which we recorded for our other podcast, The Long Box Sessions. While you guys are here, go check that show out, subscribe, leave us a rating and review on both shows, especially on Apple Podcast app, Please. and find us on YouTube at The Nerd Alchemist. That means a lot to us, guys. Share us on your socials, find us on socials, all that. So we did cover The Joker for The Long Box Sessions. I'm going to put a little tag on it, uh, talk about some of The Joker uh, anger, which is weird. People being mad at the Joker. True. Uh, And then roll that show on this feed so you guys will have our talk about Joker. We did Jojo Rabbit recently. uh, And the two we're going to add for sure are Parasite and 1917. Which, by the way, I saw 1917 and holy shit. Like, I know there's been a lot of debate this year about what is cinema. If that's not it, I don't know what the fuck that word exists for. (laughs) So go check that out if you haven't. But today we're here to talk about Parasite um i saw this movie in theaters a while ago alex just got to check it out now that it's on demand so i bought it again we we caught up and it was really fun for me this is one of those movies where a second viewing added an enormous amount of help for me watching the movie because i won't lie i left the theater the first time and i think it was marketed very strangely right so they kind of played it and even my wife was like oh it's a mystery psychological thriller i'm gonna love that and i was like where did you hear that? And it's like, that's what it says on the screen where you press buy. I was like, what?
1: Once again, huge shock that the American audiences don't understand what's going on. So, like, a movie that is not from this country is marketed poorly.
0: Yeah, and so it was one of those, I think I went in expecting something a little more, you know, kind of in the, the oeuvre of what he I've already seen from this director. Right. And then it just, I don't, I still, after even a second viewing, I'm not sure what this movie wants to say. But the second time I watched it, I think that became something that didn't bother me as much. Right. I think what this movie is, is it's almost ridiculously nimble genre hopping. Film that just takes you and says a whole bunch of things and says, you sort this shit out. Right. Society as a whole has never figured out this inequality problem. Right here's a bunch of this evidence, uh, figure it out, and I don't know that we ever can, right? That really bothered me the first time, not as much this time. Yeah. What was your initial takeaway from Parasite?
1: I mean, to me, it was just Bong Joon-ho building on a lot mm-hmm. of the themes that came through in Snowpiercer. Uh, I think right. that idea, and I was actually reading a little bit about how this idea came up. something he had come up with a while ago, and then actually a production assistant that he had worked with on Snowpiercer wrote the drafts with him um really that's that's, awesome. what, that's what it says on the uh i could be wrong i, I think it said <laughs> like, either wikipedia or imdb said that but either way um to me again it's like just this sort of like comedy of errors class warfare right. thing. like again like you're right i think genre hopping is the best way to put it because it is like right there's a thriller element there's it almost there's a lot of aspects that remind me almost of like noises off if you've ever seen that <laughs> um, like there's a lot of just like slapsticky stuff that goes throughout. And then there's also this sort of, uh, I mean, this very strange, like, um, family story that's happening as well. It's, um, it takes
0: an intractably weird turn yeah. at a point. Yeah. And then it, and I think, I think when it makes that hard turn, I think that's where it became cause I was telling you. Amy loved this movie like she was laughing her ass off at this oh
1: yeah Andrea loved it and it it.
0: is it's just this really good comedic you know look at these little grifters right small time hustles yeah but then it starts to take this turn and it's funny because a lot of my favorite visual moments (laughs) happen in that part of the film but I don't know how I feel like this is the big question I walked away with from the movie right is is the point of this film to just say that poor people are bad
1: i did not get that (laughs)
0: because this is let me lay out my case as to why i walked out and again i mean i am i know the case you're gonna lay
1: out i just don't think that's what it is
0: let me do it for the audience in case they're also looking at me the way you just did as if i am literally covered in flooding shit water (laughs) all right so here's my theory that's not
1: how i looked but go for it
0: (laughs) that's it's video now bitch they can watch it's video now
1: exactly they all know you're just trying to make me seem like some uppity asshole go they for can, it
0: they can watch it they could fucking watch it prove us right here we go all right did the rich family do anything that was despicable in the entire film no
1: no not the really.
0: dad is a working stiff who still comes home seems to be engaged with his son and his daughter right sure sets up camping trips tries this and that willing to play the native american, right? He seems like an okay guy. The mom seems like an overly concerned mom, but she cares a lot and she seems to be very generous and genuine with everyone who works with her, right? Sure. Even if she's gullible, right? That's not a big character flaw. Both of the kids seem perfectly fine and normal. What what part of this movie I that's what I don't understand is the positioning of the rich people, I guess, right? Every poor person we see has done something pretty horrendously bad by the time this movie's over. (laughs) Right. Like, shockingly bad. Right. And my wife was sitting there with me, and she's just, why? We're kind of jumping a lot. We'll jump a lot, right? So at the end, the father of the poor family is losing his daughter, and this isn't all the way fair because there's a lot of buildup we'll get into his character arc. But when he stabs the other father, for essentially being a hard worker and a good provider but doesn't like the smell of people that aren't well groomed i mean come on that feels like a weird breaking point to me maybe it's because i grew up going to so many comic shops and game stores i know exactly what that guy smells and i hate it as well oh dear god it's it's a weird point in the movie right it's a weird point what? in the movie, but like that's
1: a very narrow, I think, interpretation of what it is that he's interpreting from that moment. Like just to say it's because he smells doesn't really doesn't doesn't track that's, for me.
0: That's what sets him off, right? They set right. this up three times. So essentially, when they're hiding under that table, and we get the all-time weirdest sex scene. Like even for rich people, this is weird sex, yeah, actually, right? Like a little oh. An over the closed finger bang with an HJ yeah. Andre- with a double finger lick counterclockwise nipple. Tweak. Yeah,
1: Andrea and I were watching it and I like we were both looking at each other like, are we supposed to be doing that right now? Because we're on the couch. Is that a thing?
0: No. Or, no, God no.
1: Do rich people – That, that do rich is rich like people twelve
0: year olds? That was our, that
1: was our thing. Is like, do rich people just rub fronts? They don't have like actual penetrative <laughs> sex like it's just
0: don't look at me pretend you're a cheap whore who buys drugs all
1: rub fronts we don't do that that's disgusting (laughs) i don't need your fluids
0: so but so this is the moment right he sits there and that's when we first find out right when he says uh and he even says like mr kim's a pretty good driver yeah right he always walks up to the line but never crosses it right but he just has this smell man and it bothers me i don't like the smell And then they make the crack, right? Well, some people on the subway have that smell, right? It's a special group of people that ride the subway. Even that is prefaced with, we still haven't fired him because he's good at his job. Right. But this time I watched it a little closer, and I had that moment as a father. This is a man who just has achieved not a lot in his life, right? And for some reason, he seems to be fascinated by this fact that he hasn't achieved an enormous amount, right? Right. So he's getting dressed down as smelling bad in front of his children. Right. Right. I understand that must hurt his feelings. Then he goes home and his apartment is flooded with shit and you see him break in the shelter. Right. He's a little bit broken, comes back to the party. He's still pissed on the way to the party. She smells him and opens the fucking window. Mm -hmm. Now he's even more mad. Now he's copping attitude. Right. And then in the moment of seeing his daughter die, I think it's weird to lash out at that guy. For saying that the guy, the basement creep, who clearly has a lack of hygiene, smells bad. That guy has a different horrendous smell. That's what triggers him to the stabbing, and it just seems like such a strange. When he stabs that guy, it's such a strange moment to me.
1: Mm, no, I mean I get it. Like
0: it, it's. But, but lay it out for me. What it, what about that didn't well to your me, mind like why?
1: Well, to me, it's very simple. It's this whole movie's about class warfare. Like the title itself, right. "Parasite." Parasites are things that glob onto other things right. and suck them for their life force, which is exactly what literally right. everyone in this movie is doing to these rich people. Now, the rich people right. are rich enough where they don't notice or or they just don't care. But right. nevertheless, like to me, that moment is much more about the class warfare that is slowly boiling over throughout the entire movie. I think the idea is
0: <laughs> Okay.
1: Like, look at it this way. Like, so the um sadly we are jumping around. So the guy who's been Like living in the living in the house,
0: right? The creep, the basement creep, the
1: basement creep. Who is like the cause of so much stress for this family? Like the son who has like a full blown seizure in the middle of like seeing him again, thinking he's a almost
0: kills the son,
1: almost kills the son. Like (laughs) all this crazy shit. I think like to me, what it is is like this is a guy who had to hide and hide from uh like loan sharks. The story right. you, story you find out is the reason he's literally living in the basement, like sub basement of the house, is because he couldn't pay his debts. So he's hiding from loan sharks. To so like, right?
0: They had a cake shop that went belly up, very much like the family were following. Right. They also had a bit, a bakery go belly up, essentially.
1: Okay, actually, that was a question I had. I'm sorry, I will answer your question and why I wasn't surprised, but I was curious. Now, was it their bake shop or were they working at a bake shop?
0: I took it as it was theirs and it went belly up.
1: I actually interpreted it as, and this could just be my poor reading skills uh, of subtitles, but I thought it was that their bake shop went belly up and they, like the family who's the center of this movie was actually the employees of the bake shop because they referenced it earlier in the
0: movie. I would call that six of one, half a dozen of another, right? Well, either way they lose their employment and a lot of, well, I would actually
1: say, there's, I would actually say there's a there's a theme running though is like they were employees of this man and this man was an employee of the, this man's wife was an employee of this family and they had the bake shop like everyone is sort of systematically suckling off each other's teat much like parasites do, so right. But, but I would say the moment is the moment is significant because what it is is like the final boil over. It's that oh we're just not good enough. And yes you're totally right like. This smelly guy who's been living in their basement. Absolutely anyone. Different
0: smell. It's a totally different olfactory experience. Sure,
1: Anyone would be like, oh, that's disgusting. Like, you and I, I, look, I I live in an apartment in Los Angeles. I'm absolutely not like the, you know, height of affluence. But I absolutely could tell you that smelly people (laughs) smell. Like, that's part of life. My kid smells. It's part of the thing. He's having a bath right now because he smells. Like. Yes. But. I feel like what it is is much less about like, oh, that's a different smell than this smell and much more about, oh, they're just not okay with people who are not as rich as them. Like, just because I can't bathe every single day or just because I can't bathe in the same unctuous oils you might be able to in the bubble bath of your lovely home, right? perhaps that's... N- Sorry that that's not your style. Sorry that I am different than you. Sorry that I have not been able to sure. achieve what you've been able to achieve. It all boils over and finally... Because and then combine that with seeing your daughter basically dying, I would say probably the class warfare issue <laughs> boils over to him stabbing right. Guy.
0: And I'm glad you said this about his luxurious oils and scents or whatever. I think you take that shot because that is a viewer is what we are trying to make fit in our brain. That's not the movie they show us. That guy does not mistreat his employees. He right? doesn't. That's not what, what this the... movie is. It's not about class warfare. This is fucking class terrorism. Well, that's and it's not what. Always I'm... the lower class assaulting everyone. But I'm else. not
1: saying like. Class warfare is the broad general term. Like that's the term right. I would use to describe what's happening in this movie. It's not. This
0: isn't a Hatfield-McCoys where they're both launching back no, and no. forth. No, right? no. No one is. <laughs> this is, sneak this is like
1: the most important thing about the movie, and this is what makes it so interesting: is no one's being really mistreated throughout the film. Like, yes, people. There are people. There are poor people, and there are rich people, and like no one really is mistreating anyone. Like,
0: you are two people that are mistreated the whole movie, right? Right. Absolutely, and it's. The, the housekeeper and the driver.
1: Housekeeper and the driver, the mistreated people. They are the uh, sacrificial lambs to get this family to where they want to be. Now. Right. That's But that's like, those are the only thing. Other than that, once the family's installed in the house and literally running the home, everything seems to be working just fine.
0: Right. And this is the thing. I love the parts of the movie when, because there's a moment when the dad is talking with his family and he's like, the driver we like got fired, right? Like, surely he found a better, even better paying job. There's a slight moment of remorse, right? The, the cycle this family takes <laughs> to go all the way, to get to this point of like, wow, this is fucked up what we're doing, right? They have a moment where they're like, uh, okay, this is pretty shitty, right? That's like the one moment of remorse. By the time they get to the the lady, they're willing to actually risk her life with the peach fuzz. And this and that to get her sacked, right? Later when she shows up, the disdain the mom shows is She's playing the part of a person who would live in that house. Like, don't call me sis, you filthy animal. I'm calling the cops. That lashing out at one another part, (laughs) that part of the movie makes perfect sense to me, right? Sure. Because what what I think we're seeing a lot in today's society and what they're commenting on in that moment is when you leave so little for the rest of us. Right. It's easier for us to fight amongst ourselves than to fight up to these, you know, impossible bat. Like, you know, it's like all this shit you see in like the debates we yeah. got to, you know, class warfare will go at the one. It's like, fine, you can tax them 90 percent like they'll get out of it. Yeah. And we'll still all get our asses kicked like that's how we all feel. So that part of the movie feels <laughs> very realistic and intense and meaningful to me. What I don't understand and I don't know if this is just me or if there is a way to do it in the movie. I, but at the end, it's it's just so strange that they never take the step to add the rich people into the the fight. You know what I mean? It just felt weird to me that you're actually – what it is is it's like watching a home invasion movie. It's a super slow horror movie. Right. Of these people trying to do good. It's like The Orphan, right? We'll take in this poor little orphan girl. Oh God, she's 45 and our throats are slit. <laughs> like, right. That's what this movie is, actually. It's a slow moving home invasion. And it, it's just so strange to me. So what you're saying is you don't take it as poor people are intrinsically bad. These poor people are bad because they've gotten a taste.
1: Well, I mean, I think that's like the whole point of the movie is like, like the rich people that are in this movie are not bad they, right. They, like at all. They're not bad at all. Like, like <laughs> to their core, they are not bad people, but I, th- they're good people. They're,
0: they're actually good characters.
1: They are. And they do good things. They're not poor. They're not, treat their employees poorly. Like they just, they're just rich people. And I think yeah. the idea is that rich people who are rich are ignoring the problems of the problems and plights of other people. Like they pay them a wage. These people pay the Kim right. family, a weekly wage. So what the hell do they have a problem? The thing is, is like, it's like, to me, the movie is much more about the haves and have nots. And when the have nots right. have, have a taste of the have, they become so much worse. Like the version of the rich people that they are is so much worse than what they have been, like when they have observed. So I feel like it's almost like, uh, it's almost like engorging yourself. Like you've eaten, you've eaten too yeah. much. You've eaten too much of a good thing. Like when the, fam- the
0: mosquito that explodes. Yeah. yeah. When
1: your family goes out of town. And they all just – they literally hang – like, they rock out with their cocks out. They fucking –
0: Total fucking disrespect for this house. Like, totally –
1: like, true disrespect. Like, it's honestly like – and even then, like, you can – like, to me, that that scene where the housekeeper shows back up – actually, no, before that, when they're all just sitting in the foyer and they're sitting there talking and everything like that, the disrespect when he, like, slams the food across the table and everything like that, I'm like, that you got to clean all that up.
0: That – I will not lie. I'm at the age now where I was just like, you motherfucker. That's what I thought, too. I so mad
1: oh absolutely I was so
0: mad i was like they're gonna spill on this couch like <laughs> that's what i thought too i was, getting, too. Like, I was actually i was like god
1: please <laughs> keep i was like oh my god please keep the noodles off the couch just on
0: the hardwood please Also, well, i was like god you're eating all this greasy food there's gonna be little fingerprints yeah i'm like that's where they finger bang the only fingerprints on that couch <laughs> well, should be from his wife and him well that- not oh uh, but this is that's one of those where you're like sitting in a theater and you're just like Fuck man, I'm old. Right. I'm old now. But that's I mean, what like, I was worried about. Then trying to
1: the, so it's like the family dining on the simple pleasures or just being in a lovely house and not having to like huddle across, huddle around that table, you know? Like that was always the really important set piece to me was that little table in their apartment. They're all huddled around that table. They're trying to eat they're trying to live their lives together. Like they're in, right. they're in it together. And I think that's like the really important thing. And that's what makes this movie so interestingly genre bending is that throughout the whole thing, like you have like five or six different, like kind of beats, but the whole movie is really about like the power of family. Like if it was me, I'll be honest. Like if my dad showed up to fucking, my dad showed up to fucking stab someone, I'd bail out of that house. And I would not, I would not look back, but like the power (laughs) of family in this movie is so
0: fascinating to me. And like, I don't even know if it's the po okay, so let me get back to a couple things you said, right. One, the the disrespecting of their house, right? I feel like it's threefold, right? Because I think there are really two important things that happen in that. One is that they have such disrespect for themselves and each other in that moment. Right. Like the dad even jokes that he might hit the mom and the kids aren't like, yeah, right. Yeah. The kids actually think he might attack their mom, right? Right. The sisters like freaking out about this and that, right? He's sitting there, you know, the kid, "Well, when I marry this 14-year-old, you're going to be doing my dishes." Uh, like there is something, it's such a cracked mirror version of the dinners we've seen prior. Right. Right? That it is fascinating in that regard. And then watching the storm roll in, too, I thought was really a fun metaphor, right? Like, they're watching it just crack open, and they feel completely safe, unaware that that means that they're probably getting fucked up camping and that this is all good. They can't fathom in their mind that something wouldn't go perfectly to plan for the rich people. Right. So that whole scene I love. I'm with you. Yeah. Getting to the point of the power of family, I don't... I don't know that I see it that way all the time. Cause it feels like every character is making. Cause I'm trying to think what characters decisions are truly family based. Right.
1: Well, I mean, it's and the not, only
0: one I would but, say is the mom in a way, but see, here's
1: the thing though. You're, I, and this is something that I had to really get over in the movie is that this movie right. is not an American made movie. This is a like, this is not built for American audiences. And the way we interpret family is, I think very yeah, different hate that than argument, the way. Though.
0: What's that? no, I get you. I don't I don't like what do you the, hate the idea argument? that like it, American audiences can't understand a movie like
1: That's this. not what I said. What I'm trying to say is that like what I think is intrinsically important about watching the movie is knowing right. that I am having a different cultural experience than they are. Sure. Like my cultural experience is so different from be like like the haves and have nots here I believe are probably considerably different in the haves and have-nots story for a Korean family. So like The argument is not that I don't understand. The argument is much more I have to kind of, like, readjust, like, my the lens I'm watching the movie through simply because this is a different point of view than I've ever probably thought of. So what I like about that, though, is that my version of that is so... My version of, like, family values is very, Mm -hmm. like... I think probably what I would say is, like, oh, you know, you stick together no matter what, and so on and so forth. And I feel like that is a very... like. This version of family values is like we stick together but we all keep our jobs. Like the important thing is income. The important thing is like sustenance and making sure that we're all the same we're all at the same level, not like, oh, we'll band together, that kind of thing. Like right. this is not a band together moment. This is a holy shit, everyone cover your ass and if you have your ass covered, we're all good. Like that's the family right. value I think everyone's going for is I know you can do your job. You do your job. You do your job, we'll all be fine.
0: But see, I think that's the funny part is it becomes this kind of like feeding frenzy. It becomes very Piranha-like. Right. I think it's, that's what I mean. I don't understand the decision to not let the rich people be involved in the warfare, but I think it's interesting. So I'm just trying to get to the bottom of why make that decision. I feel like if this movie was, to your point about different countries, if this movie was made here, it's called Ready or Not. Yeah, where it's like we're rich people and you're here for a board game murder ritual, right? right? Like that's how we make these movies, totally. In a way. Oh no, absolutely. But I felt like this was a wildly relatable human tale, right? Of course. Thing, this is what I wanted to ask you. Walk me through the decision to infiltrate every aspect of the house, right? Once the kid, because this is the thing, they're living off of pizza box wages, right? right. This is what we learn is that they get Wi-Fi so they can go on this WhatsApp. And this is where they get their money, right? And the the pizza money is enough to get their cell phones on. And to your point, they have that really nice little celebration. Like, what a great day this is for us, a red-letter day. Yeah. Celebrate. And they have this nice little moment, right? Walk me through, once the kid gets the job, that's clearly way more money than they're already getting. Right. Right? Especially once the sister gets on. They can do that without rocking the boat. Why, then, the assaulting the other poor people to try to get everyone a job? Is there something beyond that in the movie that you think is interesting beyond just they're greedy? Because it felt like they were trying to say something with that decision.
1: I wouldn't say – I mean, to me, I guess greed is the way you'd look at it, isn't it? I mean, I'm not sure if greed is the emotion I would assign to it. Right.
0: The first two jobs they get essentially – It's a rich person who hires bullshit people to do bullshit things for their rich kids. They think they're supposed to. Right. They're spending money and putting more time into their kids. That's the advantage of having rich parents. Right. Fine. You get an art therapy, whatever. And she has no idea what the fuck she's talking about. But she doesn't want to be the mom that withholds from her kid. Right. Right. Fine. Once you have to start framing other people. Right. When Jessica makes that decision to take the panties off. Right. That felt like a big turn in the movie to me. Well, now they're not just people trying to.
1: Right. Well, now you're you know, not fake just trying to it, get a job.
0: I mean, like. Right. Because at first it's like they're just taking a job that is there and they actually may be helping those two kids out. So it's not a big deal per se. Right. Once you frame that guy and put him on the unemployment line, this is a big turn. And if you get away with it with the dad, why go for the entrenched housekeeper? it's lasted before this family was even there you know that's the i felt like that was an interesting choice in the movie
1: well i mean to me that ends up being um seeing an opportunity like i I think about the like the mother is one of my favorite characters in the movie because she's just so easily taken advantage of (laughs) like yeah she's so innocent like there is this like strange innocence to her as a character that she she believes that she like her characterization in the movie is literally like the way I feel about. Like, do you know, is there anyone in your life that you just like they everyone? Like, I believe that everyone is just like filled with shit. Like, yeah, my wife actually is a great example of is my wife believes that people are good. Are you
0: good. asking if that's how I look at the world? No, I think that I should be absolutely know, tell you <laughs> that.
1: Well, don't my wife believes that people are very good. And I really admire yeah. that about her. Um,
0: but because she's in the room and she can hear you, right? No actually, because, no, actually it's just because
1: no, actually just because she's a good she's a good she's a much better person than I am. This woman <laughs> believes that this woman believes that not only are people intrinsically good, but that they intrinsically value the job they have. Like I think that's probably like the craziest like everyone needs a job. Like everyone needs to make money. Everyone needs to have something to do during the day, so to speak. So
0: this Except for her, weirdly enough,
1: right? That's like the crazy thing, though. <laughs> like, that's like, but that's like the haves and haves nots. Haves, haves and haves nots. Because her
0: job is finding her, people to spend money to make their lives
1: exactly. easier. Exactly. Her job is yeah. her job is to make her husband's life easier, so on and so forth.
0: Like, but she's not really raising those kids. Like, my mom was a stay at home mom for a while and was busting her ass, yeah, absolutely. to raise us.
1: That, that like was that was that was how my mom was. Shit. This mother yeah. hires people to this. This woman hires people to function in every aspect of her child's life short of, I don't know, kissing him good night. Like that's really kind of like yeah. probably the long and short of what she does. Everyone else like tutor chef. Um, I mean, you know, the, the, the son doesn't really do anything cause he's with the 14 year old, but like, that's like, like feeding and teaching are pretty much the long and short of like the list of things you have to do during the day for a child to survive. And then like she accomplishes them. That's fine. But I think what's interesting is like the mother feels like that mother feels like she's doing a service to people at all times because she's hiring them. Oh, I'm spending money on these people. I'm so wonderful. I'm so right. I'm so giving. But
0: But bring this back full circle with me, though. Why keep. It's it's the old thing, right? You know, why kill the milking cow? You know what I mean? Why keep pressing it? Well, that's why keep pressing it. Why have the fucking dinner at that table? Well,
1: I'd say like the biggest that's always the the mother, like honestly, the mother ousting the housekeeper. That was like kind of the turning point for me. I had like the drivers, the driver, like I didn't really give a shit about that. Like that was like one of those things. I'm like, well, that is not a great thing to do to somebody. The housekeeper, though, is the more fascinating one, because the housekeeper that's like the step too far because then we find out it's literally the step too far. Like that is like the complication. And that's like the hard thing about the movie itself is um, once you like, once you get your, like, I, like once you get your family involved, the whole family's involved. Like if it was, if it was just the brother and the sister, I think this would the son and the daughter, whatever you want to call them. Like, I think this would be actually a much more streamlined movie and you really wouldn't have much of an issue. But once you get the entire family involved, particularly the mother, once you oust the housekeeper, it becomes a family conspiracy and everyone is everyone is accountable to the point where everyone's accountable to the point where anything like at the drop of a hat could fall. Like, who knows yeah. who could say something wrong? Like that uh like that scene in the car with uh, the father while they're driving where he gets a little almost a little too familiar, like really close. Like, he gets right. right up to the line, like he keeps saying, right to the line. As soon as he gets right to the line, he draws back. Like, we all th- – I, I mean, me personally, I thought he was so close to spilling the beans about, like, accidentally saying something about the family. I'm like, oh, this is going to be, like, an unraveling. Like, the dad's going to be, like, suspicious the entire movie. But it wasn't right. about that. What it really was about was the things that we leave behind. Like, that's kind of what it was to me. yeah. Once once the well, housekeeper. For me installed. too,
0: right? It it brought this thing to my mind, right? Where there's there's a lot of stuff that has to happen between what we see with them getting those jobs. Right. And to me, the interesting part is Parasite is when they come home, right, when he leaves for the interview for the first time, right? Uh Kevin, as they call him, the dad's like, I'm really proud of you, man. Like, good job. And he looks back, he's like, I don't consider this a forgery and a crime, which they do that with the family too. They constantly are making excuses as to why they're not criminals. Right. but he's like you know i don't consider this a forgery because i promise i'll go to school next year i'll get my shit together like i promise and it's a pretty earnest moment i think there there are scenes in there that i was left to imagine where the kids are coming back and making this money telling them about this house and these people right when you bring the parents in now it feels spiteful right well yeah these are contemporaries of the people you're bilking Right. So when you bring the father in, how can it not be more personal for him than the kids? Because the kids, let's say this grift goes tits up. Right. They didn't hurt anyone or do any foul play to get their job other than pretending to be something that they're not. Which, to be fair, anyone who's saying they're an art therapist is probably doing anyway. Right. <laughs> right. So no, no real harm or foul. Right. And She seems to be pretty good with that kid. Same with him, except for when he starts making out with a 14 year old. Wee Red flag. Not great. Right. Once you bring the dad in, this is when it starts getting personal. Him and my mom are the ones who are always seen pushing the boundaries. Right. Like when he grabs the mom's ass in the house. Yeah. There is a bit of we want to not only be here to bilk money, but we are here to take over. Right. They feel more than a parasite. They feel like an infestation. Right. Well, no. I mean- and again, this is it's weird to use. I don't like using that language again about. These poor, like, you wouldn't watch Aladdin and be like, Aladdin is an infestation of Agrabah, right? No, you'd say he was he's a street just a rat. pork. Duh. Right, but that no, I don't even call him a street rat, man, cause he's a kid trying to survive, and when he does all that work to get his bread, what do they show Aladdin doing? Giving it to children who need it more than him. They do the work to make Aladdin a good guy. They don't do that with the parents in this movie at all.
1: Aladdin's just so uppity the whole time. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs>
0: i will say aladdin liked this movie man once he felt that fine ass silk outfit he's like man fuck you genie get to work (laughs) aladdin had let me just say this aladdin had a master's voice hidden deep in his fucking heart of gold that was the strange part yes aladdin what's a diamond in a rough aladdin his love of fucking forced labor (laughs) yeah aladdin
1: deep aladdin deep there's another version of Aladdin deep down where he was definitely Michael Fassbender from Twelve Years a Slave.
0: Exactly um, right. <laughs> but no, I agree though
1: I, on the point of the parents. I d- I definitely agree. Like I think it's because they're like um, the uh, Kevin and Jessica, right? Jessica's the name. Yeah. I was, the fascination with being from Chicago was really interesting point to me as well I, I didn't understand that I was trying to figure out that Only a thing.
0: Child, Chicago Illinois yeah uh, which, <laughs> that, which, scene, man. that was something That's my wife like really thing on the internet that was
1: something my wife really like globbed onto is that da, 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 that whole thing yeah I was like is that going to be a motif through the oh music? it's everywhere yeah. she's
0: done it at all her award shows like yeah but uh, it's very adorable
1: the thing that I the thing that I like about that though is that the kids like when we're younger we're sort of expected to have that sort of struggle I guess I would say like when I was young, like when we're coming up, like we're living out here in Los Angeles, trying to make it be, uh, be important people in the business. We're also expected to <laughs> not have a lot of money and to be kind of poor and to go out and do stuff like that. Yeah. I think when you're an adult and you're in that situation, like these parents, like their, their parents were like, they've seen the other side of that. They've been on the other side of being poor and destitute as adults who feel like they've worked very hard. So for them to get the opportunity that's what it is. Like the infestation, the infestation you speak of is not necessarily infestation, but almost like a almost like a glory, like a glo- like a, like a uh, uh, you know, a, I don't know, like a victory lap. Like, oh, look, we got it. We're on easy street. Right. Jo- right. And
0: I, I don't even because this is the weird part. Right. You like now as a parent, I put myself in the mind. So they they see their kids finally getting ahead. Right. Right. At the hands of these other two people, mm-hmm. their son might marry into this family. You know what I mean? So there is this this element of look what they can do for my kids and not me. And on some level, it has to be eating those two alive. That totally. they couldn't do that for their own kids. So it feels that's what I mean. That's when the movie takes its first turn to darkness to me. Well, I was wondering once the dad and mom come in, because then it becomes so spiteful. That's when the attacks, right? Like, Jessica's attack feels like an in-the-moment, oh, I can hook my dad up, right? and this guy's annoying me. It's still fairly sinister if you think about it, but what they do to the housekeeper, you're like, wow, this is like a full-on fucking criminal ordeal. And this is – I think that's why that dinner scene watching the rain is the iconic important scene of the movie is the disrespect the parents have for this place. Yeah. And the mom even says, right, she's not rich and nice. She's not nice in spite of being rich. She's nice because she's rich, right? right? Money irons out all of our problems. Right. Which clearly is not true, as illustrated by these people. You know, there's a complete lack of awareness that these adults show. Sure. And it does feel like this very – I mean, maybe this is the point of the movie is there was no way for them to ever get out of this grift, right? There is this fatalistic – no, I mean, they like, have latched onto this family, and they they had this weird thought that this could be their life and their family, and anything less was just going to be a version of being in the basement again.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, you've literally, I mean, again, I, I, the title of this movie is so intrinsic and important to understanding what the movie actually is about. Like, you said it yourself this family is latching on. That's exactly what a parasite does until it takes over the body itself. Like, right. There's. There's so many important aspects, <laughs> but
0: they're obviously a new species of parasite because they fucking drown themselves, you know, with gluttony. Well, like not they I stopped.
1: I mean, we consider mosquitoes parasites. You said it yourself until they pop.
0: Well, they're not parasites, I don't think, because they don't. Uh, maybe they are. I don't. I'm not they're a scientist. Not, they're I don't not know.
1: Parasites. I'm just they're saying, not parasites I don't think from a scientific mosquitoes. literal perspective. Think of, no specific- Think of it from the metaphor, scientific Think of it from a metaphor perspective,
0: metaphorical. Fine. But I'm saying there wouldn't be mosquitoes if they were all as dumb as this family. Right. Yes. If every mosquito came out of the egg, it's like, oh, I'm fucking thirsty and just drank until its ass erupted. There would be no mosquitoes. They'd all be dead. So, yes, that is definitely <laughs> so I what guess would the happen. movie's telling us that they are new to being parasitical. I <laughs> For, this, okay, let's let's change the subject for a li- bit, right? Because there is another, there are a couple other important elements of the movie I really wanted to discuss, right? Sure. Walk me through. Let's walk through the Scholar Stone, right? I really spent a lot of time my second viewing, paying attention to this stone. Me right?
1: too. I actually like. I really <laughs> invested a lot of time trying to understand. Yeah. I actually looked it up because I didn't know what that was. So I read a lot about. I tried reading. I still don't really understand. Like it's literally just like a like it's like a fucking lucky rabbit's foot, basically
0: yeah it's like my grandma who used to have like stones that had different ores and exactly. she as a collector of trinkets and weirdness like i've heard of them right so but yeah but this is the thing right so rich guy drops it off right uh my grandfather said bring this to you it'll bring you wealth uh actual wealth right the kid grabs it kevin grabs it and goes wow this is so metaphorical and I was like, they're giving up the game right here. This is the whole game. That's
1: what I thought, too. That
0: whole scene is actually great, too, because the, the, the kid gets off, and the dad's sitting there watching from the basement. This guy who must always pee on their house drunk. Yeah. And Kevin just shouts him down, right? He's just so rich. He has no time for this tomfoolery. And they're like, wow, we never thought to do that. Look at this motherfucker. That's amazing. Comes in and brings him this stone, right? Which we are then told, wow, this is metaphorical. This leads us to the connection. Uh, that sets up all of this wealth to come, right? Right. Among other things, though, this had the, this had a very—I don't even know what the phrase for this, not ominous per se, almost goosebumps level ominous, right? We are like, that's weird to say. Hey, my grandfather told me to bring you this big rock in this decorative ass box, right? Right. Which seems like a pretty nice gift, and says it'll bring you wealth, which immediately leads them into this, this struggle, right? And men leaving at the exact same time to go abroad. It all felt, it felt very morality tale to me at that moment. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, am I reading too much into that in the opening of this story? Oh
1: no, that's exactly what I thought. Like from the get, from the jump, I was like, Oh, okay. This is like the, this is like the parable we're dealing with. It's like, you know, it was like the Midas touch. Everything I touch turns to gold. Like great. They have this great luck on their side, but, what I realize is actually, I think the Scholar Stone is supposed to be more, or the rock is more the metaphor for the whole movie is, which is like they get this rock, they that's the that's the path to wealth, and then once the the la, the next time they find the, the next time we really see the rock is once their apartment floods, so the rock's no, been no, t-
0: there's a scene before that, right? When so we get the rock. And the next time we see the rock is when they're celebrating. I think the mom just got hired and they're sitting there talking about you. have to. you tell me I have to do four fucking loads of laundry because the little kid date the song smelled them. It's like they all smell the same. Right. The guy's pissing again. And now they see themselves as above him. Kevin grabs the fucking rock to go out right. and brain yes. this guy. That is him.
1: like so. Right. That- and
0: that begins our series of bad, uh, bad things happening,
1: Right. And then the next time we find the rock, it's drowning or I mean, it's a rock. It doesn't it's drown, fucking but it's
0: floating, it's floating
1: up. above like what, like
0: odd behavior for a rock
1: amongst all the shit.
0: So then the next time we see the rock and this was a really important scene to me, right, is in the shelter. Right. right. So the dad looks over and he's like, why the fuck are you holding this rock still? And I believe Kevin says in two parts, right? Uh, it is drawn to me and it is clinging to me. Right. That felt wildly important considering that it then becomes a weapon with which he gets his fucking head bashed in right um this is where and this gets back to the stone right is this it felt like there was some element of supernatural part to this stone perhaps or is this just the placebo effect right by seeing that stone every day you will focus on working hard because kevin when he gets the stone is then offered a job which is truly his path to taking the next step right get your money right go to college do well that's how you will climb the ladder but then of course he immediately uh sees this other path to ill-gotten gains right where do you fall down on that it's clinging to me it's calling to me right that felt more like they were leaning back to the kind of fable nature of the scholars stone
1: i mean i kind of think it's both like yeah again to me like fables we talk about this a lot on the show but like fables and the bible itself is a great example like everything's about interpretation so you know fable, like aesop's fables is about your interpretation of those stories so If you believe the supernatural element is the most important element, then that's what you should cling on to. And that's what's going to carry you through. Me personally, I think, in this case, this is definitely, there's a parable in here somewhere. But I would say that the rock itself is not necessarily magic. But there are certainly elements that you assign to it, like giving it power. If you give an object like that power, then it has power itself.
0: Yeah, like when he picks it up to go brain the guy, that specifically starts their downward trajectory, right? That is when things start falling apart. When he comes back and it floats up to him through the fecal water, it felt like it was reminding man, hey, look what you fucked up. Yeah. Then he becomes scared to lose it. This is the moment he goes, oh, fuck, I know this is all falling apart. This is too big. It's too much. Carries it with him as he's going to go try to fix everything, gets brained by it, right? The right. whole thing coming down on his head, right? The consequences of his action. I thought that was wildly important throughout this movie, right? Is, But it, it seems unusual that it's only there to just reinforce everything we're already seeing, right? That's a – because I was like, is men's grandfather some kind of, like, fucking – kabuki master who's just like ha ha put a curse on this family well i mean we're getting into like a kubrick movie
1: <laughs> well i mean i th- i feel like there's a lot of i feel like there's a lot of things you can glob onto in this movie there's so many different versions of that's true visual interpretations of story moments that you like are going to carry you through i feel like the scholars rock might be the most uh fanciful item yeah. And the like most like probably the most like supernatural totem you could carry through the movie yeah. to turn it into what we're talking about right now, which is a fable. It's a it's a parable for our time. But I mean, like that, like that to me, like Scholars Rock, while is important and like wildly important, if you want to interpret the movie as such, uh-huh. is only important in that regard. Otherwise but it, it
0: feels so on the nose, even when he it sets does. it in the river at the end. There's a lot of right? stuff in this movie. I that will feels let on this wash away. It's, like I feel like the movie's really clever most of the time, right? And I feel this like is the movie. Right. It it is just this like, street. hey guys, don't get too lost here in what we're doing as we're jumping from thing to thing. Right. It just felt like, wow, do we really need that signpost? That's why I think I was trying to read more into it. Cause that, this was this is the movie where <laughs> at the same time we're doing the the stone, right, in the flooding house is like, hey, remember, he did a bad thing. They actually had this unbelievable metaphor unfolding in front of us, which is their bad behavior. And they start at the top of the hill, descending down to the hell they live in, this basement.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and everything's flooding downhill. And their apartment is actually filled with shit water. It might be my they, favorite. It's visual a, it's a metaphor. visual metaphor that they actually cannot go back. To where they were, it's, it, might, it would be impossible for them to give up this ruse and head back.
1: It might be my favorite visual metaphor I've ever seen in a movie. Like, it's incredibly, it's incredibly edited for one.
0: But well, it's, sure, but see, hone it in even more. That Jessica moment, unbelievable, amazing. That's so like, good.
1: That scene caps off the that scene that moment caps off the scene so well and does such a good job of again like. Providing a visual metaphor. This movie's just got visual metaphors for days. Like, right. And again, like, the Scholar's Rock is basically like the, well, is this how you want to interpret the movie? All right, go for it. That's how you'd like to do
0: it. Yeah. It, it just like, felt very, like, Jack getting beanstalk beans for <laughs> yeah, me. Totally. You know what I mean? I Where mean, I there's like,
1: there's so much I kept on waiting the for a little more. There's so yeah. much on the noseness throughout this movie. But that's, like,
0: that's the thing that bothers me, because I don't think Jessica's is that... It's this woman actually rising slightly above the shit, but still getting sprayed with shit. But she has this one little comfort behavior, right? That even in her apartment, she's above the shit and just relaxing, having her little cigarette. It's like her little ritual, right? Right. And I was like, that's really good visual storytelling. And it's just like, that's so much better than The Rock. It felt like one of those, like, why was this in there if not for something very specific? I mean,
1: to me, it's like, I mean, she's obviously, she's probably the more, the most refined of all four of them. Like, she has the most, she has the best, like, cover of all of them. I mean, for a boy who's, She's also
0: very skilled. Like, she has actual legitimate skills.
1: Right. I mean, again, like, I think that there's a lot to be, it's the best part about the movie is there's so many, like, little, like, visual cues and so many different interpretations you can take from it. But, like, all of it's about – the all of it really leads to me, like, to being about, like, the – like, what are you willing to do for wealth and are you willing to – like, whatever you're willing to do for wealth, you should be prepared for it to undo it, undo you as well. Like, that's right. probably, like – that's probably, like, the craziest thing about the movie. And, again, that scene alone is, like, the visual metaphor for it. But, like, getting to the end of the movie with the party is – one of the crazier, I mean, it's, it's bizarre and I really don't like, yes. Like there's a lot of it. That's kind of like weird and hard to not necessarily hard to understand, but odd and strangely timed. But what it does is brings you to a resolute ending where you're like, ah, this is like the point to me, like the ending of the movie, like hammers the point home. And again, like speaking of the, on the noseness of this whole thing, it's such a wink in the camera every time that I stopped noticing it. That was like the craziest thing it's, was like I stopped yeah. caring.
0: Well, it's so strange, too, because even as I'm sitting here and I love the metaphor of the shit water running down, it does beg the question, right? Had right. they stayed in their home and not been dirt balls, right? Like grifters. Right. Wouldn't their apartment still have been flooded with shit? <laughs> Like, I mean, wouldn't they still have been unable to stop the deluge of shit filling their horrible subterranean apartment? Well, and again, this is the point of the it, – it mixes – it has a lot to say without ever really saying anything to me. It's the weird – it's kind of a weird – it's almost the way news is presented to us, right? It's this cacophony of all opinions all the time. Rather than boiling down, like, here's pertinent information, right? This right. feels like here is just emotional – you know fireworks everywhere figure it the fuck out for yourself and i think that's what you're saying is take whatever you want out of it because again the the shit metaphor i loved i was like look at them they're being punished for their bad behavior on top of olympus right like they flew too close to the sun then you're like wait a sec this is saying that even if he had not flown too close to the sun he still dies of a sunburn on the ground <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right like that's a hardcore fucking uh story lesson I mean uh, but this is the weird thing, right? Because the last thing I wanted to really hone in on is the basement creeper. Right. Right? Cause they keep mentioning the architect, right? So I was trying to really latch on to like men's grandfather and the architect as these off screen big influences. I don't see any of that, right? It felt again like just glor overly glorifying a wealthy person. Right. But the the juxtaposed nature of what their apartment represents and what that underground lair represents, right? This fucking Alice in Wonderland umbilicus to this mansion, right? Right. Walk me through your takeaways on on the fucking sublayer and I, the basement creep.
1: I mean, to me, what it was was just a. I mean, I assumed it was a visual metaphor for, you know, great wealth is built upon the backs of many poor, many yeah. poor people. Like that's like that's really kind of like the most common and probably easily yeah understood. Which is weird because that motherfucker never
0: worked for him. What's that? That motherfucker never worked for him.
1: Well, it's not necessarily him; it's the room but itself. But she did.
0: She did. I guess. Sure, yeah. she did.
1: But like the room itself is the metaphor. Like the guy is the guy's sort of this like I I wouldn't even call it. Like, it's not a MacGuffin, but the guy is essentially the guy is the uh, personification of the years of this is the personification of the years of just like having to deal with the fact that the 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 halves above us have so much to the point where he's
0: also the inverse of Kim in a way right oh hard definitely whereas Kim still has this illusion at this point in the movie that he is worthy and as good as Mr. Park is it he thinks like he's someday going to be him and have this house and defeat them in this game of wits whatever it is this guy just lives in the basement and is like, oh, I just turned the lights on for him. I send him right. loving Morse code messages. Like, right, right. He worships this guy that he's never met.
1: Well, there's like. Right. A, there's... In a
0: very strange way. And it, this is what I was saying. Right. Is it's the weird. And I don't I don't I see it like you. Right. It's metaphor. It's like the escalator down in us. Yeah. I don't believe that place actually exists under the boardwalk, nor does it exist under every place we've seen in the movie. It's illogical to me to accept that as a physical place, right? It's a metaphorical place where all this is happening. Right. That's how I see this room in a way. And it's played much more physical and real. But what this room is to me is it's it's this fucking ghost of where Kim is heading, which yeah. is because the guy even says it. He's like, you know, I feel like I was born in here and maybe I got married in here. And just please let me live here. Doesn't even give a fuck that his wife might be dead. Right. right? He, i mean he seems to care a little bit later but he mostly is just like hey can you just like let me live here you guys keep grifting them i just want to live here right and it is asking this question of what is the value of just worshiping and latching on to these wealthy people and that was a scene i don't know if this the scene that struck me a lot the second time was when his uh wife is rubbing his back and she's like get your hands up fuckers and they're sitting there and they're like Look at these fucking filth, right? These filthy animals in front of us. The way those two families just judge the shit out of each other yeah. is amazing. But they're like, you fucking rubes. You're just making messy food and drinking. Right. We listened to shitty records and sat in the sunlight. <laughs> like, we're worthy of being in this place. Right. They also have the illusion well, of becoming the occupants of that house.
1: Well, that's what it is. Like, you, it's, it's um, I mean, again, you want, you want to have what they have and you think that you are owed it you think you're owed it not necessarily that you should deserve it but you are owed it the universe is plotting against you and you are owed that happiness right but that's not true at all like we're not owed happiness in this life what you do is you earn your happiness you you work for your happiness and i think that's probably the more odd lesson of the movie itself is that like the harder these people work for their happiness like I, at first, like, honestly, like, when the movie started, I thought it was going to be, like, an infighting thing between the family yeah. themselves. Because once the, once the um, son and daughter, once Jessica and Kevin get, get uh, jobs with the family, I thought it was going to lead to spite and uh, sort of an infighting right. between the mother and father. Like, oh, you guys are – like, I thought they were going to become much more elitist towards their parents and be like, you guys are useless. <laughs> like, I was expecting <laughs> that.
0: Which, they come home and just start <laughs> – oh dad you do smell like boiled rags right. idiots!
1: exactly like i was expecting that to be the, like i was expecting that to be the movie once the kids got the right. jobs but when it went even further the more and more it went i realized like this is about this is about our interpretation of wealth and what it brings you so like yeah. everyone becomes the worst version of themselves when they're wealthy like that or when they except pretend for the wealthy, when they pretend to be wealthy, except yeah. for these wealthy people. So what you have to interpret is that does that mean these wealthy people were good to begin with or is that simply because these they, wealthy they people don't are- show.
0: Yeah. Like di- they didn't show them getting wealthy in like a Donald Trump way. Right. Where it's like my dad gave me all this money. No. And we as Americans frown on that. Like, oh, you just are rich because your daddy's rich. Like they don't show us how this dude got rich. Right. So they're almost like he worked harder and, and is better than them. Yeah. Right. And like, sure. They I mean, do belong. And this is the funny part, right? This whole thing goes down and Kim fucking kills the rich man completely unjustly. It makes no fucking sense. This reaction <laughs> locks himself in the basement only to immediately be placed by another rich person. Right. Like they go not, through all this work and fight their ass off and another, they still aren't allowed to go in the party.
1: Not just another rich person, like a Swiss rich, a rich Swiss family, German, German, Germans German, he's like sorry. they do
0: have more than beer and broth yeah when he's somehow doing the like fucking eight minute long monologue through code. Morse- <laughs> <laughs> but it is it's just this it, i think that's kind of a funny ending right it's like they oh, yeah. fought so hard and they have these claims on the house and they they know there's a room in the house that the family who lives there doesn't know right it's more important to them and they're still just shut the fuck out
1: yeah
0: Again. they'll never be invited to the party but that's and a- that begs the question is how despicable are these people when they have no better option the movie doesn't really lay out a path for them to ever get to that house right well no it doesn't make the middle argument literally
1: he literally gives i mean he gives this wish fulfillment speech about what he would do
0: right and then the movie says oh wake the fuck up (laughs) you're back in that cold ass shit water (laughs) basement they had to go live Imagine the work it took just to scrub the shit out of that place. That's like wake up and fucking smell uh, the shit water. You're never getting into that house. Right. It's the movie never shows the middle path, right? Of like, what is just a better life look like? Maybe the pizza family, but you get the feeling the pizza business is going to go out like the other businesses we hear about. Right. It's I think that's the thing is at the end of the movie, it does just feel like they're saying, here are these people that don't have a lot of options. And they are terrorizing a rich family who is actually good, right? F- funny game style. And then because the guy can't fucking close a window and a door in his shitty apartment, he's like, I'm going to go on a stabby spree. It felt it just that I think the the message of the movie, if you look at it is here is just this ambiguous morality, right? There are rich people. There are poor people. The poor people are the villains, 100% the villains. And I don't – I've read people trying to make the case that they're not villains in this movie, and you cannot do it. This movie is telling you that all of these poor people specifically are bad, right? They all commit criminal acts against an innocent family. Sure. Right? And I guess as an audience member, I have to decide – is it justified because society doesn't give them enough options? But we never explore that part of the movie.
1: No. I mean, I think that's not the point of the movie, though. Like, right. again, what you're using is class warfare to tell a story about how it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what station in life you are. If you're a bad person, you're a bad person. Like, I, I really do think that Maybe. there's a lot of there's a lot to there's a lot to be said in the movie about, like, the nature of people in general. Like, if you're yeah. willing to go to the lengths these people went to to simply deceive a family for jobs.
0: Yeah. That's pretty. Well, it's a, it's also a movie that specifically says, hey, you know those people that say money can't buy happiness? Wrong. Because <laughs> the rich families we I see in that wouldn't... mansion are having better lives. That yeah. lady's going to go, right? And she still has a daughter and millions. She's going to have a better life than the mom and her fucking remaining child. Right. And that like this is a movie that also says, hey, it's way better to be the rich family. It just is. It is. But if I live in the shit basement or the mansion, I'll take my shot with Mr. Kim coming at me with a knife. Like, I'll just take my shot.
1: Yeah, but you don't see. I mean, to me, the interpretation is much more about how the Kim's squandered their chance at happiness by seeking too much seeking to because
0: right because their version of having a lot would never be that much
1: well it's like a materialistic it's a materialistic view of what they should have like viewing right. their viewing their life as oh well we live in this shit basement in this shit apartment where we fold pizza boxes what we should have is that life it's <laughs> sprayed life with there.
0: pesticides and whatever.
1: right yeah. and What we should have is that life up there and like we should be able to um you know rise above this but like they don't really do like Folding pizza boxes—that's the best yeah. you can come up with. Like, yeah. it's a. There's a million and one jobs out there. Like what you're well, choosing. They, they
0: do. They do put that line in in the driver cafeteria where Mr. Kim's like, where every single job that comes up gets fifty college applicants, and he. The insinuation is he can't compete with that.
1: Sure, but you're telling- But still, I'm with you. But that's like the thing. Is like fine. Then you should take some night classes. There's plenty of people who do that. Yeah. Like what They're you're hustlers. doing is yeah you're a gr no you're a grifter hustle hustle implies that there's like hard work hard, hard work hard done. work
0: yeah <laughs> no they're co- i love that too when uh jessica's leaving the house and mom's like if she wanted to she'd be a really good con artist and you're like that's literally the choice she's made right that, and again if she had like, a business card it would say con artist on it
1: right and i mean like again that's another great <laughs> on the nose beat and you're like how is this like not offending my every sense that they're literally yeah. just like pointing at the joke and they're like look look at us do this thing and you're like I should be like totally because, pissed, but it's because it's so well-crafted. I think crafted. it's
0: important. Yeah, well, I think what it gets to also is the Kims are very much the mindset that I'm inhabiting on my first viewing, which is I just am telling myself the rich people have to be somewhat bad in this movie or the tale is hard for me to accept.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, Right? But that's... And
0: that's the Kims. Everything they do is a justification. You hear so many lines in the movie of them trying to explain away why they are not bad people. Well, that's exactly and we as an what an audience the- want to say they are the, the have nots. As you kept saying, we don't want to believe that they're the bad people. It's a weird because you never hear that argument framed as the poor people are just bad because right. they're poor. This well, movie kind of adds that to the pile a little bit. Yeah,
1: I lost my train of thought. So, but yes, I agree with you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think that's the thing that I would be interested to see if people want to argue with me on if this movie is just saying that the poor people are bad because they're poor. Right. I,
1: I just, I mean, I'll say that. I don't necessarily, you're saying that that's the movie. What well, movie's saying? They're poor. Poor people are bad because they're poor.
0: We see two families of poor people and they're both shitty. They're both so bad.
1: I don't know if I characterize it like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what I left the movie with. Is it saying like, wow uh these rich people are just better (laughs) it's a weird movie like i know they're fighting over wealth but it's weird that i don't know it's just so strange i can't remember a movie that again it's like it actually covers the rich people in a blanket of purity and has the poor people fight over that it's it's a weird and interesting angle to put this movie in and like you like it still bothers me that i don't feel like i'm fully on board with whatever political message this movie's trying to make. But the crafting of it is so fascinating. And the actors are so fucking fun to watch. And it is so well-paced, and it just always is fucking having these zig and zags. I, I thought it was a—it's a captivating experience. And I don't think a movie has to always fit your expectation or answer your questions to be a great experience, Right.
1: Oh no! I mean, I've watched so many movies I disagree with that I think are wonderful.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just saw Doolittle, zero percent comprehension. <laughs> no,
1: I'm just kidding. <laughs> Look, there, I mean, I'll tell you, there are people who, like, since this is part of our award season shows, like, I can tell you, like, there are people who think that, like, I know in my heart of hearts that that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood movie will probably win Best Picture.
0: Oh God! I
1: have absolutely Gross. no idea why, and I actually. When we talk about it on this show, I need to talk about why that's the case because I don't understand what's interesting about
0: that movie. Oh, okay. I was like, based on the mantra of our show, we will not be covering Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in earnest. Right. Right? Because I think I can say this without – I know people get mad when I say this. I had an argument at a bar. I was like, I don't like that movie. I don't understand what that movie – I don't know – like. I don't get it. I don't understand why. There are people in
1: my <laughs> there's actually people in my office that I've had arguments with about this movie because everyone's like, oh, my God, it was so I'm like Tell me what that movie was about, because I'm going to tell you what I think yeah. it was about. It was, boy, the 60s, right? Feet. And well, that's you the movie. Take,
0: the fact that you could just take Sharon Tate all the way out of the movie and it really doesn't matter bothers me. It, if She's driving up in the car. So, you know, he lives next to young, successful people. That's it. Yeah, I feel like it's a movie that just shoehorned into Manson so that like my mom would go see it because no one wants to watch a movie about a 60s TV guy who's breaking down. Yeah, even though that's some of the best. This was the part. All right. I'll do one brief once upon a time in Hollywood, right? Because everyone's like, oh, you just want to see Sharon Tate get murdered. You don't want to see Sharon Tate get to exist in a beautiful portrayal. I was like, hey, here's an idea. Why not let Sharon Tate murder the fucking Manson family? That feels wildly more cathartic, and make the journey about her if that's the movie you want. Never mind. We're not here to litigate another movie. But uh, to me, I would rank Parasite as my third favorite <laughs> movie in the rankings, right? Mm-hmm. I would go 1917 Jojo Rabbit, Parasite.
1: I haven't seen 1917 yet, so I would say Parasite's my second behind Jojo Rabbit.
0: Yeah. Parasite's a fantastically crafted Infinite. I feel like it's the thing I appreciate about Parasite is I feel like it's a movie I will go back and check in on. Yes, and keep trying to uh, find new discoveries. Within I would myself. implore
1: people who have seen it to watch it again because the rewatchability of this movie yes. is
0: fascinating. But this is also the second watch changes everything to me.
1: This is also really important. And again, I'm going to harp on this again. The cultural aspect of rewatching Korean movies is amazing. All Korean movies are rewatchable. I don't know what it is. They are so much better at making movies I want to see more than once. I don't know. Hats off, man. Park Chan-wook, Bong Joon-ho, like all these, all those guys. Like I will rewatch those movies till the day I die. They're wonderful.
0: It is a great movie across the board, if not a bit shrouded in confusion for me. But that's not a negative all the time. All right, guys, that's it for Parasite. And I guess maybe like just a little taste of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Sorry about that, guys. We try to stay as positive as possible here. So uh, we will be back <laughs> with 1917. We will be playing Joker. We will have an Oscar roundtable with our picks uh, for the big show coming up. We are going to finish Kevin Bacon, Shake and Bacon Month. We are down to Footloose and Cop Cart. in next month, the month of Amour, right? February. We have decided our theme. And it's a meatloaf themed the uh, month of amour, the month of amour for us romantics, right? Uh, it will be meatloaf in theme, in name only. Don't worry, there's no actual meatloaf stuff. But yeah. it's a, uh, I would do anything for love, comma, but I won't do that. That's Actually, the but I
1: won't do that it should be in parentheses.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I won't do that uh, theme next month, right? Romantic tales where there's just a fatal flaw in our conceived romances. <laughs> so that's coming up, guys. Leave us a rating and review. Make sure you share the shows on all your socials and find us on the Nerd Alchemist. That's plural with an S at the end on YouTube. We got trailer reactions. We got some gaming stuff coming up. Maybe some live streams of different things. Uh, lots of fun stuff coming this year. We're doubling down on the work. Uh, so, yeah, guys, thanks for hanging with us. We'll see you soon for the film Alchemist. I'm Josh Griffey.
1: I'm Alex Dandino.